Welcome to the Social Propertypreneur Podcast. And here is your host, social media queen, property investor, and entrepreneur, Laura Muse. Welcome to the Social Property Preneur Podcast with me, Laura Muse. And today I have an amazing guest, which is Mr. David Siegler. Morning, Laura. Morning, everyone. How are we? So David is a public speaker. He's a property expert. I call him the deal packaging godfather. (laughs) He is an author of the book, Getting Into Property. He's also a podcaster and he's got an amazing podcast called uh, Property Sourcing Profits. And he also is a mentor and a master trainer at Progressive. I'm a master trainer. Yes. Yes. I'll tell you what happens. When you are a master trainer, Laura, they say that you can park, and any friends watching who have been to Progressive will understand the power of this. You can park your car in the car park. <laughs> but here's the thing, David, you need a fog to get in and we're not going to give you a fog. That's how it rolls. Okay. <laughs> so I'm back in Tesco's with my people. Very happy <laughs> to be there. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time this morning, David. Um, my pleasure. I just want to get, so I'm going to ask you probably not a loads of property questions. I want to talk a little bit more about the mentoring, obviously how you can kind of find a needle in a haystack in them rooms because there's a lot of people in there. Um, so, but first of all, why property? What made the transition from, because you had a corporate life into property. What was the, the draw there? Uh, okay, why property? Well, by accident initially. And that's the truth, Laura. That's not a line. Uh, so you say corporate, but um, I came out of university in 1977. I got a very social 2-2, you know, back in the day. But back in the day when a 2-2 was a 2-2, you know. <laughs> Nobody gets, everyone gets two ones now, right? Um, but my dad then became very ill. He had a series of strokes. So I was going to go into the law. I was going to be a QC. I was going to wear one of the black gowns and the wig and argue my client's case and get him hung. You know, all that stuff. See you doing that, actually. I could see you. Sorry? I could see you with the wig on. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately now it's just on my days off. Um, so I was going to do all that. And Dad got really ill. And he had, um, at that point, wow, seven, eight. Um, retail shops, he had a retail business, clothing, retail clothing. You know. um, he started with nothing, sleeping under his market stall and all that malarkey. Yeah. So, you know, good, good on him, right? But he didn't have anyone to run the business. So I came out of university and I went into the business on a temporary basis to start with. That was the intention. But, you know, you get sort of sucked into it, right? So, um, and that was cool, you know, because back in those days, the 70s, I was earning £100 a week, Laura. Uh, now, that might not sound much today, I hear you. But, you know, £100 in notes in your pocket on a Saturday night, because obviously we pay weekly back in 1977. Yeah. But that was a series when I went down Sherry's Dixieland Disco, right? Um, um, you know, chatting with girls and doing all that sort of stuff. hundred notes in your pocket was serious stuff. Okay. So um, I finished up. I got sucked into the business and I, and, I, and I got pretty entrenched there. And we went on and we built about 20 units over a period of time. So this was before computers. We had no systems. Everything was done on the, the back of an envelope. Um, it's chaos. Chaos, right? 
But that was how businesses were run in those days. Or maybe I didn't have a mentor who could help me sort the thing out, which is what I should have had, but never thought about it. Yeah. Now, uh, back to the, your question. So what happened was we started to get offered the opportunity to buy the freeholds of the buildings that we were leasehold tenants in. Yeah. And um, it wasn't something I went and looked for, but I, and I didn't know anything about property, but I did know that owning a building in your balance sheet for a bank, if you wanted to borrow money as you go forward, right, was a really good thing to do. And over time, it would transform your balance sheet and your um, credit worthiness. You know? So that was why, why I started. So we started buying shops and uppers. I'm still very much, I think you know, uh, very keen on shops and uppers today. Um, and, and the whole landscape has changed now, right, for retail. Um, so shops and uppers, we got three, four, five under our belt as freeholds. But this is how much I knew, Laura, about it. The one that I bought in 1977 had three stories of offices above. And I never went up there, like for years. I was only interested in the retail part and the car park at the back and stuff like that. And the rain used to come in. And then they people would break in up there and work their way down and you know set the alarms off and it, I thought it was a complete pain. I didn't realise that I could convert those offices into flats. Yeah. And I bought them. Yeah, well, you say yeah as if you know. I never <laughs> so uh, we, we bought it in '77. It was 1997 before I took on that conversion. Right. Oh, wow. Twenty years. I know. And that building's still there today. It's obviously we stopped trading some years ago, um, but I've got a retail tenant, and we've got tenants in the flats above. So uh, that building, which from memory I think, if you look it up on land registry, if well you can't, 1977, it's not in the show. I think we I think we paid 40 grand for it. Oh wow! Yeah, I know. Um, but that just means it's just because I'm old. You know, that's what happens with property. That's the power. Um, what would it be worth now? Um, you're in Brighton, aren't you? You're in Brighton. I'm in Brighton. The, the building is in Portsmouth. So we've got uh, British Heart Foundation as a tenant in that property. So that's a good, good covenant, right? Um, market rent has dropped in that area. As property has a lot of other retail areas over the last 10 years. It's declined. Uh, but we've got two two-bed flats and a one-bed flat. So a two-bed flat in Portsmouth has got to be 150 grand for one, isn't it? Yeah. Just the one um, flat alone, then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what's it worth today? I don't know. If somebody offered me eight, nine hundred grand, I'd probably say no. Because that's not a bad investment, is it, for forty thousand pounds all them years ago? Yeah, well, yeah, but forty grand was a stretch then, Laura. I mean, it was a lot of money then. What people yeah. forget is property has always been um, expensive to get into, and uh, it's never easy, right? People say to me, "Oh, it's hard." Yeah, compared with what you know. So it's always been expensive. Don't forget, I was taking home a hundred. Well, I had in my pocket hundred pound a week. And that was 40 grand. So it's all relative, isn't it? It is, definitely. And my Ford Capri. <laughs> yes. my, dad had a, my dad had a Ford Capri. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here's how absurd it was. Um, it was green metallic, 
and I put a black vinyl roof on the top because it was cool. I've no idea. When you got uh, when sorry, go on. Yes. No, no, I'm done. Um, when you got into property, did you start with the end in mind? Obviously, maybe not back then, but you know, once you started being educated, you know, I know you probably don't think you are because I know you've got your own views on this, but. You are an influencer in the property space. Not you could be you could be seen as famous property investor. Um, what's your views on that? And did you intend for that to happen, or is that something that's naturally progressed over the years? Info. I'm not even an influencer in my own house, <laughs> right? And uh, no, I never looked at that space. So, um, okay. So there's a couple of questions you asked me there. I'll jump to the second one. Okay. Um, the speaking training stuff uh, just came out of the blue, really. So um, just looping back to your first question, it was in the 1990s when Shelley and I got my, the present Mrs. Siegler, God bless her, got serious about property. Cheryl had a very, very big job, really big job. And it was at that time in the early 90s, there was a re recession then that ended our retail business. We, we had to put our hands up and say, can't do this anymore, right? But we kept um, most of, uh, to let one go, we kept the freehold properties uh, because the freehold properties were in a different company. They were in a property company, unrelated. And, and as a trader, I was my own tenant, if you see what I mean. That's how we structured it. So, um, again, that was a complete accident. Somebody told me to do it that way. We did it that way. So we lost the retail company, but I kept the, 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 the buildings, found new tenants. That was a new experience for me, finding retail tenants. Never done that before because I always occupied it myself. Yeah. Um, and in the 90s, we got serious about property. And the, the birth of the buy-to-let mortgage was in 1996. Didn't exist. I don't know if people are aware. It didn't exist before 1996. You had to get a commercial loan previous to 1996 and get at least a 30% deposit together. So, you know, getting into property was always tough, yeah. right? Um, so the buy-to-let mortgage, which was actually sort of a twisted version of a residential mortgage, which is why it's... I've never thought it's been fully fit for the purpose. That's a whole different podcast episode. Um, and we, I went out looking. So the deal was that Cheryl was at work earning big bucks, right? I would spend my time, which I now had more of, going and putting the portfolio together. And that's basically what we did. And then we did that incrementally. It wasn't a fast journey, right? I had some time off along the way. Um, and we got to 2008 and the crash and everything stopped again. And all we knew was buying from the bank. So that the bank said, no, no. We did. The man at Barclays said to me, did you know, Mr. Seaver, did you know we today are the biggest landlord in the United Kingdom? because people have gone and taken all their keys back, right? Mm. So there was, I didn't know how else you could do anything. So I stayed at home, you know, for four or five years. And then I went to this property event in 2014, uh, Multiple Streams Property Income. And um, I got involved at Progressive, and it's kind of weird. Um, so I did, that first weekend that I went and sat there, Cheryl was sitting there, you know, arms crossed, scaled you know, through the whole thing. But I was up and gone. I wanted deal packaging, right? Because I needed cash in my life. Deal packaging's about cash. Um, also, deal packaging, in my view, opens up. And you are a great example of this. 
opens up so many other strategies, right? It, it gives you a, an insight into every other strategy and you can find your niche yeah. while spinning the deal packaging plate. You don't know where it's going to land, right? And that's, you're, you're a great example of that. Um, so I ran and I did the deal packaging training and then <laughs> it's, ooh, it sounds a bit arrogant. I thought I had a message that I could give. I thought I could help people because I was beginning to understand that I was very experienced, right? But I knew a huge amount, but I knew a huge amount about a tiny bit of the property business. And there's all these other strategies that really I didn't even, I never knew existed. Joint venturing, didn't know, right? How do you do that? Um, other people will give you money so you can buy a building. Really? <laughs> and, and you know, you, you, you're well down that road now. Um, so I just got involved and then I did the, I did a speaker course. They did a training course for speakers. Five days of my life. You've done that, I think. Uh -huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was the best course I've ever done. It was Tuesday night. I was halfway out the door. I was ready to go. Me too. Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, uh, the lady I was staying with literally said, had to drag me into my car, like, I can't do this. I'm, I, I was crying. I don't cry. I'm like, I, I, this is not for me. Anyway, yeah, after yeah. the Wednesday, yeah, completely different. Yeah. Why won't you just let me stand up there and talk? Why do I have to follow this system? Learn this system? <laughs> and my trainers, um, yeah, I'll mention them. Um, the, wherever they are now and wherever they've gone and we know where they are and where they've gone um were great speakers were great speakers i'm going to say past tense um daniel wagner and uh paul preston were my trainers on that five-day training um great speakers i learned so much learned so much and daniel <laughs> wagner came to me on day four i think I said, David, you, you, yeah, what are you, you're speaking. Are you really interested in speaking? I am, Daniel. I wonder. Okay, so, well, this is how I see it. Because he, he had those sort of um, mid-European tones. Yeah, this, is how I, this is how I see it. At the moment, you're sort of a hand grenade, a little hand grenade popping off here and there, right? I can turn you into an Exocet missile. And I thought, wow, I'd love to be an Exocet missile. Right, I really would. Um, I thought he was just selling me the next course <laughs> but actually he wasn't um so i've just gone on with it and it's everything's happened by accident laura yeah. people come people go i keep turning up <laughs> someone it's true isn't it? i mean people said to me david <laughs> somebody said to me two weeks ago david what is the secret of your success <laughs> which still makes me laugh because i don't see myself in that line um and I said to him, it's very simple. I turn up and I do what I'm told. That's it. <laughs> really. you know? um, so it's been, a, it's been a journey. Rob Moore, you're talking about mentors um, just before we came on. We, without Rob Moore, I would have none of this at all. I wouldn't be speaking. I wouldn't be because at every point in my career, uh, I'll come back to how he first saw me speak, but at every point it's been, Rob Moore has said to me, David, you're going to go there. David, you're going to do that now. David, you're going to do that. Why you pick me, I don't know, right? Um, but I was very, very enthusiastic to do it when we started. Maybe that's 
the roots are in that. Maybe we'll come back to that. Cool. So you didn't. Does that uh, help? Yeah. So you didn't. So you, when you went to Masopi and you sat there with uh, Mrs. S, you did not think that that's where I want to be. I want to be on that stage. I want to be talking to other people. It's a something that's just it's open different paths as you as you've gone through your journey as it has for many other people and now you are where you are well unachievable i mean it wasn't even in my mind yeah i mean if you'd said something to me that first weekend i thought i just can't compute that i don't get it because you know in those days rob used to present basically the whole of multiple streams yeah right he was up with changing his shirts 15 times a day Five times a day, um, and you know it was I, I wouldn't even compute. But it's a fantastic event. I mean, I sat behind for three days, Andy Cook and Lloyd Girardi, and oh, it was their first multiple streams of property <laughs> event. Um, Anne Holton was in the room. Uh, it was her first multiple stream. I met Anne that weekend. I met uh, John Shepatovsky, who has a low profile, but he's Alex Shepatovsky's dad. Yeah. And John, John has a multi, 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 I've got massive regard and respect for John Shepatovsky, right? A quiet man in property, but very powerful. Um, who else was that? Rob, um, no, Rob, I'm so sorry. I'll come back to it. <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> so when you first got into property, obviously you've probably had many conversations with what I'm going to say now, and so have I. I'm really fortunate that me and James were on the same page when we started in property. We're both doing it together. When you first decided to take that leap full time, you know, you went to multiple streams. Was Mrs. S on board with that? Because a lot of people, we, we both speak to you way more than me. It's a struggle because their partners are not on the same page. And I think that's what, it's a massive, op- you know, what we do is a simple process, but the journey can be quite tough and you need support from other people. If your other your partner's not on the same page, how do you progress down that path? How, how was that for you? Yeah, I, it was difficult for me. Uh, so that first weekend, I kept popping and going to the table. Right? She sat there scowling at me. Nope, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. I actually signed up. Oh, there's nobody listening to this, is there? Okay. <laughs> I actually committed to going on the Cayman Legacy. Okay. See, with Ollie. <laughs> right. I was downstairs. I was. I had my champagne and orange juice. Right. And Rob was there in the room. And we, as I left, I got in the car and he waved me goodbye. See you in Cayman. Right. And I got home, and my wife says, "You're not going." <laughs> that's ridiculous. You know, you can't. That's a huge amount of money. But how your mindset changes, right? Because I've now spent on my personal development and training well in excess of six figures. I've even stopped counting it up. And now my daughter's going through the process. You know, so I'm 10 grand in for her so far. Right? Um, but in those, at that time, whatever came and was at that time, and it was less than it went on to be, um, seemed unaffordable or Cheryl didn't want me to go. Um, it took about 18 months to answer your question directly. So she was, no, 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 no. And then we went and spent a weekend. We were invited by a significant property trainer who's still in the industry today, but at that time a progressive. Um, we were invited to speak at his event in 
Glasgow, one of my very first speaking gigs. And we stayed at his house for a couple of days. They yeah. you know, were very, very welcoming. And he spent the, it was Paul Smith, right? Paul and Aniko, we, we stayed at their home and Paul kindly showed me some of his projects and what was going on. And it was that weekend she got it. Yeah. She got it. Right. But it took 18 months. So for anyone who's going through that now, just keep going. Right. And if you've got the passion, you really want to do it, it will seep into your other half, whichever way around the issue is. So you and James, how did you and James deal with this then? Who was, who was the go-getter and who was putting the brake on? No, so I mean, um, so James sold his business a year before I joined him. Um, the plan wasn't really for me to join him, but we came to Progressive and he saw Katie Wilson. Um, so there was Anne Halton and Katie Wilson. He was doing like the beginner's secrets, um, or whatever it's called. And he basically came away because I did a course um, with Paul Mahoney that day about social media for my existing business. Yeah. I decided that day I had to spend in a room full of property investors. I did not want to be driving up and down the UK selling horse boots for nine ninety nine anymore. Um, I wanted to do what James was doing and help him in the business. And he came away that day going, we're closing your business down. There's this thing called deal packaging. There's this bird called Katie Wilson that I've seen on this stage. I'm sure you can do what she's doing. I'm like, what's deal packaging? He's like, I don't know, but I fa- we're going to find out. I've signed you up on a course. <laughs> and we, we will, because obviously, you know, you know about my background. My mum my passed away and we had a big life event that kind of, made put us on a different track we want we knew we wanted a different type of lifestyle so we've always been on the same page and property is something that we've always wanted to do we just didn't envisage that I'd be so involved um but I I love it and we we're very similar in mindset of what where we want to be in life how we get there we can negotiate with each other and work it out and that's what kind of what we we did Mm -hmm. yeah because you're very much the face of your business and yeah, I am now. <laughs> it didn't take long, Laura, to be fair, because I remember the early days, you were not going to be the face of the business. You were there to support your husband, James, right? And I get it, right? That didn't last very long, did it? No, <laughs> not when you got involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you always, you always had, you had it, you had it. And that I think brings gonna... me nicely onto my next question. Well, yeah. I knew we were going to touch on it, yeah. <laughs> So obviously you do see so many people each year. Um, how do you spot the diamond in the rough or how do you unleash people's potential that maybe they're having doubts or fears about? Because, you know, getting into property, a lot of people do have a fear about that. Um, I've asked you probably three questions in one there. but Yeah, but I get it. Um, I don't think you can, right? So... But in particular, in the early days, I always got it wrong. Oh, look at him. He's the guy. He's going he's gonna to sell all that. He's going to be out there. He's going to make a million pounds, right? Never saw him again. <laughs> <Got him. laughs> um, there might be a matronly Miss Marple figure at the back of the room who you think you know, never do a deal in their life. And she'll go on and do plenty of deals. Um, I'm not naming names, but you might be able to think of who I'm talking about. You know, she's like a machine out there, deadly, right? Um, but most of the time, I still believe you can't tell. Yeah. Um, it's about so many things. It's about background. It's about what drives them. It's about their personality. It's about their character. Now, 
there are some things I see when I know, I know it's going to work. And you were in that category. And uh, Jesse Marsh, for instance, was in that category. And Katie's in that category, right? Um, the women are really good at deal packaging. I don't know why. They are. I don't know why. <laughs> they are. They really, really, they really, really are. I mean, yeah, we could talk about half a dozen more. Um, I'll tell you the joy of working with you and Jesse and Katie is because any advice that I give you is comes from the right place, right? I'm trying genuinely to help, okay? And if I ever gave you some advice, Laura, um, next day at quarter to nine in the morning, you will have done it. You, you did it. You actually went out and did it. So you got past all the, oh, I don't think I can do that. Or should I do that? Or I've never done that before. That's really scary type stuff, right? Social media, which is now your thing. Um, it wasn't always your thing, right? But you'd st- I didn't know we were unleashing a diva <laughs> the world. <laughs> just give her a give her a phone and three minutes and she's she's live to the world out there every time you open the fridge you do 20 minutes when the light comes on i know yeah um so the joy of working with you and jesse and katie and s- several others who uh, i can't think of at the moment um is that you actually bang you're on it you're doing it there was a reason why you were driven to take the advice and implement and that is very much, um, that is a key to being successful. Yeah. So it's ready, fire, aim at the beginning. So you don't even have to know what you're doing. Just, just, just get out there, make mistakes, fall flat on your face. Many times I've fallen flat on my face. On stage at Progressive, I literally fell flat on my face. <laughs> I got on privately behind the scenes. I was awarded the speaker for making the most impact that weekend. Right. Nice play on the word. Um, so you can, okay. To, to answer your question, it's hard. Sometimes you can't see it, but once you see people afterwards quite early in their journey, taking action or not, uh, then, you know, cause I've seen people who, you could light a fire under them. They're not going to run. They're not. They're not going to move away, right? And some of the nicest people in the world, you know, they come uh, through the training and they, they, they're trained at a higher level and they love it. I mean, it's not that they're doing it against their will or wishes or they think they've made a bad investment. They don't. They love it. They love the community and they love coming every month and sitting on the round table, right? But for the other 30 days, 29 days, how many ever, nothing happens. It took me a long time to come to terms with that because I thought it was about me. Um, well, I did. I thought I was you know, a bad teacher, a bad mentor, not giving enough, right? And I took advice on it from above. Um, but sometimes you just can't give someone that passion, that drive to succeed. It comes from within sometimes. Do you find that quite frustrating? Uh, f- frustrating. In the early days, it was frustration. Um, it's become acceptance and sadness now because uh, I, can't, I can't take responsibility for 20, 30, 40, 50 years previous, which has set this soul into where, who they are and what they are today and where, where their boundaries are. I can't take responsibility for that. 
but if they want to make the change, if they meet me halfway, I will do my best to help people. You know, and um, they can accuse me um, of what they want, you know, being old, dark, stupid, out of touch, not funny, whatever. But they can't say I don't try. They cannot say I, I turn up, right? I turn up for everyone. The secret of my success. Do you think a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people I speak to, especially, you know, I mean, we're a part of um, Progressive VIP, which is a 12-month program. So we, you know, like you say, we took action each month, but there were people that we were seeing month after month that still hadn't even got a business card or a name or that type of thing. Do you think there's some people who pay the money for the training or the mentoring and think it's a magic pill and don't realise that's literally the beginning of the hard work. Some people think it thinks once they've paid that money, the hard work's done. No, I, don't, I okay, I don't. Um, I don't think people are daft, right? I have made purchases in my life, bought things in my life, and then never used them, right? So you know we've done some furniture moving around in the house this week because I shared it with you privately. Uh, and we uncovered a video camera about that big that I bought in 1990. And Shelley didn't want me to get it. She said, you're never going to use it. And we used it once. Okay. I said it to a museum. I'm joking. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. I mean, but we paid in 1990, whatever, 600 quid for that. Yeah. Right. And I just sort of threw it out, out the window into the wind, didn't I? Um, so we've all done it. We've all made, and it, it's a, it was a you know, state-of-the-art technology at the time. And I should have put together, uh, you know, thousand memories from the 1990s. So I'll never get a chance to do it again, right? So the asset was sound, but I never used it. That's the point. And we've all done that in our lives. So... Why do people invest in assets and not use them? It's a tough question. It's too tough. Actually, Laura, it, it's too tough for me because I've spent, it's not something I've just dismissed as being too tough. Yeah. I've spent hours because I want to help people. That's why I do it, right? Um, and it, can I deal with that sentence? Is that all right? It's not on our agenda, but I want to help people. Yeah. So that's become a bit of a negative out there in anti-guru land. You know, oh, they say they want to help people, right? But why else am I doing it, right? Because I, speaking for myself, am not doing training for the money. Right? People don't believe me, right? Now, I'm not saying this shouldn't be fair exchange, right? You should be paid for what you do. But I was not motivated by money to do training because I've got a property business and I married well, that's, that's pretty key as well, right? So I have all of my material needs at a reasonable level, standard of living, I'll cater for before I do one bit of training, okay? That's the truth. So why would I do it then, okay? Because um, I was retired, and I can always go back to retirement, but I do it because the thrill, Laura, that I see when someone like you, in 18 months, puts together a seven-figure property business and i've contributed just a little bit about that along the way oh that's right? a bit more than that <laughs> well and bless you you get yeah and and the real sweetener for me is you give me a bit of credit for it i mean how what else in life could i possibly want 
than know that what you're doing now, you said to me, no, I won't. You know, the current projects that you're on are going to change your life and James's life, right? And you've done it smart, right? So I'm pretty confident these figures are going to be hit or close enough, right? Uh, and in your 30s, you're going to be financially independent. You can do whatever you want. Now, you probably do more, but you won't have to do more. And if I can contribute to somebody achieving that sort of thing at any stage in their life, that is what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's why I drive 300 mile round trips to Peterborough and back. That's why I sleep in the Days in. I did the Days in very fine hostelry, obviously. <laughs> I've stayed there a few I, times myself. <laughs> Um, have they still got smoking rooms? Who, who smoking well, rooms? they smell like it when you walk in originally. So, so I, yeah. I would say no, but maybe yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I did 18 months in the days in because I was on the progressive deal. Right? Uh, we've moved on now, to be fair, team. We have. Um, <laughs> I've no idea where I was going. Yeah, why would I live like that, right? So, you know, I've lost a bit of weight recently, but the, that day, 24th of January, 2014, when I walked into Progressive, I was 12 stone four. And then I got to 15 stone in lockdown, right? And that's because of, well, it's because of me, my lack of discipline, but you know, living badly in that sense, you know, look, looking after myself. How comfortably? No, no, it's not even comfortable, is it? <laughs> You eat the wrong things, doing no exercise. I mean, it's just not right. So I need to adjust that going forward because I want to live forever. <laughs> well, this brings me nicely on to, obviously, property mentors, property trainers have got a real bashing of late, not just within communities, but actually on national TV. Um, what can people do to protect themselves? What due diligence do you think people should be doing? Because... You know, some of it is smoke and mirrors with people, but there are a lot of real property investors like yourself and many people who work at Progressive um, that are actually giving real property training. So what can people do to, to protect themselves and do a bit of due diligence around that? Yeah, and I went through that process. Uh, so before I came to Multiple Streams, I was that close, that close to going to Simon Zucci's PIN uh, mastermind. Now, so, uh, I've got huge respect for Simon Zucci and the PIN network. I'm not in any sense saying anything negative about Simon Zucci and the PIN network. Um, I, you know, it's really, really good training. Um, the reason I came to Progressive, ultimately, because I didn't know anything about Progressive, um, I went to the property meet, the Sylvia and Jasmine Ray, the Berkshire property meet. I went there and Robert Mark was speaking there. And, you know, I bought a CD set, you know the story. And it came with two tickets for multiple streams, right? So that's why I finished up there. And then I was going to go to Simon, who, you know, all the, all the trainers of PIN in the, at that time, you know, were in the image of the man who created it, right? So they dark suit, white open neck shirt, very professorial, right? And I went to Pe Progressive and Rob's on the stage with jeans, pointy shoes and a striped shirt and he says the F word once a day. And I thought, yeah, this is, these are my people, really. This is where I belong. So that was my due diligence. Um, how can you protect yourself? Just 
just do some research. There are online resources in the property world. I'm not going to tag them here. Well, you can go and check people out. You should go and check people out. You know, there are, um, there are groups that seem to delight in undermining um, trainers and training as if everyone who does training um, is either not fit to do it or they do a poor job and or they're exploiting people. The problem for the training industry, Laura, is there are people like that in the industry. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that, right? Um, the reason I'm at Progressive doing this, and there is nowhere else in the industry that I would do training, okay? Um, there is never going to be the issue of me you know, siphoning off my posse to go and set up my own thing. Cause that happens, right? <laughs> you know. Um, and the reason is because I don't want to give the wrong impression here. Um, I know Rob Moore and Mark Homer a little bit. Okay. I've been around a long time and I'm on a mastermind with them. Uh, I know I'm a little bit. I have massive respect for those guys. Huge amount of respect. I am, I have no reason to be, but vicariously, I'm very proud of them. Yeah. The one they the way they run the business, the way their their ethics are, they they are good people, both of them, right? And it's a joy to work with them. Now they're also businessmen. You have to run a business, right? You do. Okay, so that has to be up front and centre. Um, but I work at Progressive because of the ethics of the place, and that comes from the top. Right, so Rob Moore and uh, Mark Homer, hundred percent. Yeah, I would, I would cross that firewalk for them. I would, because I've seen how it works. I'm not saying they never make mistakes. Yeah, we can probably think of a few. No, so if I can park it there, you know, yeah. I've found somewhere that is um, upright and moral and determined to do a good job. And over the years, you will have seen trainers have come and gone. You know, no one leaves progressive as a trainer without a reason. No one. So there's always a reason. Well, this brings me on very nicely to kind of what's the greatest piece of advice you have ever been given? And who was it by? I think I'm going to turn it on its head. Because the worst bit of advice I was ever given when I was uh, 26 and engaged to be married was, are you sure about this Dave? You know, <laughs> are you cause that and that and that and this and this and this, right. And maybe you shouldn't do it, but actually one of the best decisions, the best decision I've ever made was, um, asking Cheryl to marry me. That was, that was great. She oh. has been my, um, Sounded bored, pal, giggle, giggler, um, wartime conciliary, um, you name it, right? <laughs> so, that, so that's been really good. The best bit of advice, gosh, has there been so few really life-changing bits of advice that I can't think of? It? I'm go you're going to have to leave me with that, that. I'm struggling, Laura. I'm so sorry. What's the best bit of advice you've ever been given? Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Okay. That's my bit of advice. 
housekeeping. Okay. <laughs> I can't through. remember who from. I think it was actually in a conversation with somebody, like just a, a group conversation. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and yeah, every day I try and make myself a little bit uncomfortable to push us forward. Cool. Grow, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> no, that's a good one. If, it, if something comes to me while we're speaking, I'm sorry, I didn't. I, the first one. time you've ever been lost for words. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> well, what 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 inspires you in life? What um, you know? What have you got any aspirations? Things that you still want to accomplish? What inspires me is people becoming successful. Now that sounds corny, but it's a big part of my life now. What I do is a big part of my life, right? Um. And just being part of a group of people who are successful. So you reference the VIP community at Progressive, right? There was a huge amount of success, right? And we touch on, you know, some people don't commit. Huge amount of success in that group. Love being part of that group. You know, it, here's the truth of it. I think the Progressive community, face-to-face, when and as, and I'm, I'm optimistic, Laura, we'll be back face-to-face at some point. Um, when you're face-to-face in that building and the place is buzzing with like-minded people, so on the Deal Packaging Mastermind days, you know, um, working with people I never knew four or five years ago. I didn't know you, right? I didn't know Kevin McDonald. I didn't know, going back, Anne Holton. I didn't know people who were really important in my life, Katie Wilson, really important in my life. Now, I didn't know these people five years ago. I was retired watching daytime television, sitting in a puddle, waiting for it to stop raining. You know, that was my life <laughs> at that point, right? And I wasn't ready for that. So um, what inspires me? People just, just running with it and doing it and stumbling and we can pick them up and move them forward again. That genuinely from the heart is what inspires me. Um, I'll keep doing it as long as the emails keep coming and say, Dave, will you do this? Dave, will you do that? Dave, will you do the other? I will. Sorry to disappoint anyone. <laughs> um, waiting for me to die or whatever. Um, I will keep it I'm not going further down that one. Um, I, I will keep doing it as long as they keep asking me to do it. I think a very important thing in life, in every, here's a bit of advice, right? Um, really good advice is you've got to know when you're past your sell-by date. And it happens to everyone, right, at, every, at any time, okay? So uh, when I'm a little bit past my best before date, shall we say, um, I, I will just disappear. I'll go quietly. I'll disappear into the ether. There won't be a big hoo-ha and crash and bang and wallop and a row. That's never going to happen. I will just, you know, slide away. Um, but at the moment, I'm feeling healthy, I'm feeling fit, I'm feeling strong. I, look, could go out this afternoon and get killed by a falling piano or something. Who knows, right? <laughs> but at the moment, you know, I didn't, <laughs> am I going to be doing this when I'm 70, right? No, it's unthinkable. But then I didn't think I'd be doing it when I was 65. I mean, <laughs> who else? Who else is doing it at 65, Laura? Who? I have no idea. <laughs> can't think of anyone you know not in our world um so you know it is an issue but um 
I think I'm a fairly young 65. When I was a young man, 65, people who were 65 were, my parents, when they were 65, were very old, as it were. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Old. There you go. Well, thank you so much for your time today, David. For people who obviously are in this group and want to get in contact with you, can you just tell people where they can get in touch with you? The best way, please, uh, do it through Facebook Messenger. Send me a friend's request. <laughs> goes into that request box that I never look at enough, but I'll find it. right, <laughs> And then we can speak on Messenger. So I try and do all my Messenger messages. I'm not in the 4am club or anything like that. <laughs> First thing in the morning... So seven, between seven and eight, I respond to my messages. If you want to reach out to me, that's totally cool. That's the best way. Well, thank Back. you, David. Enjoy thank you for the invitation. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Laura. Thank you.